Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. In the gospel today, Jesus gives a parable, and all of his parables uh, is a pretty traditional way of conveying lessons and things. Right? But all of his parables are meant to have a shock value and a challenge. They're not always meant to console, but they're meant to have a little shock and a challenge to us. So in the setting for this one is, Peter at this point knows that Jesus really loves him. And at this point, the apostles are starting to realize that Jesus has one main dream for your life and for mine is he really wants to give you the very life and love that he's sharing with the Father. He's always with the Father. And he wants to bring that into your life. But he knows that we were alienated from God due to this infection that we are all born with called original sin. So we're born at odds with God. So Jesus comes into this world to die and rise to, as St. Paul will say, transfer you and me from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. A kingdom of, if you will, meaninglessness, confusion, harshness, fear, isolation, to communion, love, joy, friendship, family, warmth, hope, goodness. And that happens primarily in our baptism, And then the sacraments are meant to refine and deepen that. And first and foremost, in a life of vulnerable prayer, we soak this in. We don't accomplish this. It's not like if we do really, really good, then we do it. We aren't the savior of the world. He did it. He died and rose. That's done. The Father loves you. The claim is you are desired by God. You're good in his eyes. He wants to spend life with you, and he's inviting you and I to spend our lives with him. And so as that reality is beginning to dawn on the apostles, as it takes time to dawn on us, it's touching things. And what it's touching in Peter today is, what about people who have hurt us? What about people who have disappointed us and let us down? This is a beautiful love, and we love and enjoy what you're showing us and drawing us into. But what about the places where we've been hurt? What do we do with that? Do we have to forgive everyone? Every time? Isn't there a limit? How's that work? And Jesus says, well, 70 times 7, which in biblical uh, numbers means the fullness. Always. Like, always, no matter what. And that's really tough because right away we think, uh, if he knew what had happened, or if you would know what I had been through, you might not expect me to forgive everyone. And let me just talk about this for a minute. Jesus' teachings on forgiveness are arguably the most explicit, prolonged, and intense in the whole gospel. He says more about forgiveness than he does usually on prayer. 
And he tends to double down and clarify his teachings on forgiveness more than even feeding the poor. So for Jesus, forgiveness is a really central understanding to entering in to the experiencing the Father's life and love for you or not. In fact, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, I don't know the paragraph, but it's in there, I promise. All right? It says this. This is daunting. It actually says those words in the official teaching of the church. This is daunting. That we cannot experience the Father's merciful love if we refuse to forgive someone in our lives. It's that clear. We cannot experience the Father's merciful love and the gentle, beautiful warmth that he wants to pour into you, we can't receive it if we refuse to forgive someone in our lives. So this is a really, this is really at the heart of so much for us. So Jesus gives this parable, and in first century Hebrew money, pretty much he's saying is the first guy owes his master a bazillion dollars. Right. That's basically the gist. It's, it's so many years of a annual salary that there's no way anyone could pay that back. And the master says, all right, I'm not going to put you in jail. I'm not going to sell you. I'm actually forgiving the debt. I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm going to forgive it. You're set free now. So he's set free and now he goes to one of his servants who owes him, let's say, $5,000, just to show the analogy of what Jesus was trying to communicate. And he clenches him by the collar and says, pay me back what you owe me. This same person who experienced all the mercy for such a bigger debt is now grabbing this guy by the collar, ends up getting rid of him, saying, no, I won't forgive you, the original master finds out, puts him in jail. And Jesus says this, this is exactly what the Heavenly Father is going to do if we don't forgive each other from the heart. All right, now, one thing I want to say is it's not as if God's like, you better be better or I'm going to get you. God's not petty. It's much more of a loving longing that the Father is saying, I want to have deep relationship with you. I really love you. I delight in fathering you, in loving you, providing for you, healing you, forming you. I want to spend my whole life with you. But if you refuse to forgive, we're going to be cut off from relationship. The image being you're going to be in a jail cell, cut off. So what makes forgiveness so hard? Well, the words anger and wrath pop up in the first reading. When we get hurt, our hearts get angry, like they should. That is actually healthy and holy. Anger is given to us to stand up for ourselves or to fight against injustices in the world. Anger is a powerful energy that is needed to be human and holy in this world. If we try to get rid of all of our anger, we will become simply 
walked over. We won't have any impact for our own hearts, for the kingdom, for our culture. We won't be able to stand up. So anger is not the problem. What the problem is, is in the first reading it says, the sinner clutches anger and wrath. There's something about holding on to anger as if it will protect us and make us safe. Befriending anger as if in and of itself it's going to be so helpful. Anger is there to help us stand up for us when? When we're hurt. When something disappoints us, offends us, annoys us, destroys us at times. Anger is offered from our hearts to say, let's fight against this, but then to fade away. So when Jesus says to forgive from the heart, what he's inviting you and me to do is not go back to anger. Anger's the door into the room that we need to spend time with. The room is the more vulnerable emotions behind anger. Hurt, sadness, fear, hope, desire, all these things underneath or behind the anger are the places Jesus wants to go. Were you hoping to be seen and loved by that person and they treated you recklessly? Were you kind and generous and that person was cruel and ungrateful? Did someone do something even worse to you when you were in a vulnerable state? These more vulnerable places are the places Jesus wants to go to bring the Father's love so that then we can offer forgiveness and we're the ones set free. When we forgive, anger, hatred, hardness of heart, resentment, and there's more and more medical doctors continuing the spectrum to see all these other health issues connected to unforgiveness and anger. Anxiety, depression, heart issues. There's all sorts of things. I'll spare us all the details. But there's even physical manifestations of this. So I want to say one final word on this anger piece for today. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two different realities. Jesus calls us to forgive every person in our lives no matter what. And that's a process, not a choice right away. It's not like today you go, mm, there, I forgave everyone. It's a journey of getting into the vulnerable places. And that's why it demands such courage. But reconciliation can only take place if two people are capable of a dignified, respectful relationship. Reconciliation happens at times because there was forgiveness and you realize the person who hurt me is capable of friendship, of dignity, of respect. But if that person isn't capable of that, and they've proven themselves over time that they are not able to relate to you with dignity and respect, that you deserve being a person made in God's own image, then it's okay to hold off on reconciliation until they can prove themselves. But in the meantime, we need to keep offering forgiveness and keep offering prayers that they would find the healing. Jesus' dream is we would all be reconciled. In the meantime, 
he asks every one of us, would you let the Father's love live in you? Would you let him embrace you as he embraces me? If you really, really want this, and Jesus wants it for you and me, he says, we need to begin that forgiveness journey by going into those more vulnerable places and realizing what was taken from us by someone's brokenness, Jesus is offering to us anew so that then we can respond just like the Father does and offer forgiveness for the world. This is why it's not easy to be a disciple. This is why Christianity isn't just ideas. It really touches our lives, especially in places of hurt, forgiveness, and broken relationships. And so might I invite you this week to even begin the journey. I take a few moments of silence and just ask the Lord, who's someone in your life he wants you to begin working on for forgiveness? It may not be the person you think. There may be someone who level 10 hurt you, and Jesus says, why don't we begin with this person who did a level one, just to get experience with the whole forgiveness thing, so that we can be growing more and more as people who realize we are beloved in the eyes of God. Amen.